0: This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for April 12th, 2017. Every Monday, I'll be bringing you brand new content, but for the next while, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm including previous interviews in this feed like this one with Julie Davis. She's a podcaster and the author of the Happy Catholic blog. I hope you enjoy the interview. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested, whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic. What matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Make your view heard and get it included in the next show. Email your opinion to podcast at challengingopinions.com and we can discuss it in the next podcast. On a Skype line now from Dallas, I have Julie Davis. She is one of the presenters of the podcast, A Good Story is Hard to Find. It reviews books and films, but she's also the author of the blog, uh, happycatholic.blogspot.com. Um, Julie, I presume that means you're a happy Catholic.
1: Yes, I'm not always happy, but I'm always happy to be Catholic.
0: That's good to hear. Um, <laughs> I know I'd, I'll come to it in a moment. I read on your website, uh, your conversion story, but Uh, I thought I'd uh, bring up a quote from Sam Harris who is a noted not Catholic Um, and uh, he said and I think it's quite a good quote he said the God that our neighbors and I guess he means you the God Mm -hmm. that our neighbors believe in is essentially an invisible person he's a creator deity who created the galaxy to have a relationship with one species of primates lucky us and he's got a galaxy upon galaxy to attend to but he's especially concerned with what we do and especially what we do naked he almost certainly (laughs) (laughs) disapproves of homosexuality. And he's created this cosmos as a vast laboratory to test our powers of credulity. And the test is this. Can you believe in God on bad evidence, which is to say on faith? And if you can, you will win an eternity of happiness after you die. Does that describe your God?
1: Oh, no. But you know how it is when you love somebody it's easy for someone outside to see so many faults and flaws that you understand so much better or look at the things that you value from the outside and not see the whole depth. And so they see them in a different way. And I totally understand his viewpoint because I was raised in a completely secular household until, well, of course, you know, until I left it. And I didn't discover God, find him, meet him until I was in my early 40s.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. My parents were atheists. They weren't the kind of atheists that Sam Harris is. They just felt like it was nonsense. And why would you talk about it? That's like talking about Apollo taking the sun across the sky. Mm-hmm. So it, actually growing up, you would talk about sex more readily in my household than you would talk about God or religion just because it was dumb. And um, so – it is kind of a it's kind of a dual mindedness for me because I really can understand both sides a lot of the time. And I know when I'm walking into something where I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna put myself out there, this is gonna sound ridiculous to a lot of people and I may be embarrassed, but my personal experience is I spent a lot of my time wondering, did God exist? And how would you know it? Because it all seems a lot like coincidence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so finally, I got to the point where through (laughs) coincidence, our oldest daughter wound up in Catholic school and she had been challenged by her kindergarten teacher that your parents should be taking you to mass all the time. So we were like, oh, no, we're good people. We don't need to do that to meet God. And, you know, to a little kid, that's a no. And you'll do things for your kids that you won't do for a lot of other Reasons and so we soon found ourselves in mass and after oh, a year or two or whenever I had all this time to think because I was doing things, but I wasn't, you know, sitting there just soaking it up. And I finally said, well, I'll make a bet with God. Are you there? I mm-hmm. need a new house and we can't sell it no matter what. And so in my mind, it was like this mental handshake. You do that. I'll believe in you. And about a year went by. And I don't know what changed because it wasn't like I even paid attention to it, really. Every so often I would think of it and I was like, there's no timeline. I'm fine. And obviously something changed because one day at Mass, I just went, you know what? I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking there are reasons not to believe, but I don't really have, you know, the world gives us reasons not to believe in Mm -hmm. terms of coincidence. I myself though thought, well, I don't actually have a reason not to believe you're there. I'll just say you're there. I'm gonna go on faith. I'm just gonna go, okay, and you don't have to pay off on the bet. I'm just gonna go forward like this. So in a sense I guess I was taking Blaise Pascal's bet. Yeah. Isn't he the one who said yes, just yes. act as if you believe for a year and, and I wasn't doing exactly that, but I went, eh what what the heck? And the next year or the next day, sorry, this set of circumstances just took off that within about two weeks We had sold our house, gotten a tax rebate that gave us enough money to more than pay for a down payment on a better house. That was the only one we liked that we looked at. At a time when none of these factors should have come together, at a time when um, people were pulling us aside who were professional house sellers and title people saying, look, I don't want to say this to anyone else, but I've never seen anything go this smoothly. And it took the full two weeks for me to even think of it and go, wait a minute. And so essentially – I think the only thing I could say to Sam Harris, and this doesn't answer his scoffing, and I get that, but because that was personally directed at me, it's like getting a letter from someone you know with all these things in it that speak to your heart, and I was like, this isn't coincidence, this is the answer to what I wanted, and that was the beginning of that personal relationship with, yes, the invisible God, and it's been an amazing ride. I. You know, that's flimsy at best. But all I can say is when I fall in love with my husband, no one can see the things in him that I see. That, that's this a good is point. a similar experience. It, it, it could perhaps be,
0: and there's many a, a, a battered wife uh, who um, might be testament to the point that when you fall in love with someone, you can't see uh, the flaws that other people outside do see.
1: Mm, mm, very good point. Yeah, and and if you're the battered wife, you may equally look at somebody who's in love legitimately and be very distrustful of it because you've had such a terrible experience. And unfortunately, because the church is two natures, and of course, I'm speaking not only of the Catholic Church, but just the universal, big Protestant, every kind of Catholic, Christian church, um, it's. Both divine, you know, bride of Christ concept mm-hmm. and led by the Holy Spirit, but it's also human. It's full of us. We're full of flaws and we do things as St. Paul said that why do I do what I don't want to do? These are the struggles that we have. And so, um, I can, that's why I get it. I was on the outside for so long. And you know, for a long time, I resented that. I thought I wish I'd have been raised with some faith. That would have been great. But now I'm grateful for it because I totally understand those scoffing disbelieving people they they're not been touched they've been traumatized in some way i mean there's so many reasons for it each person has to have an individual relationship before you can have understand the communal relationship
0: sure one thing i just want to um go back to if i was being skeptical and yeah Of course, I never would be (laughs) sceptical. But if I was being sceptical, it sounds like that your conversion story kind of boils down to social pressure and a a stroke of good luck. Given that the Catholic catechism, that's to say the kind of the rules of being a Catholic, Mm -hmm. place so much emphasis on believing. If you believe, then you win the prize of going to heaven. If you don't believe, then you don't. Um, Isn't it incredibly capricious that some people in the world have incredibly bad luck and I was just remembering when I was doing a little bit of research before we um, started the interview and I dug up one story and I'll put a link to it on the page of this of this podcast one woman uh, who was born in Ireland in the 1930s and she's still alive she was born to a an unmarried mother which meant that she was taken from her mother and sent to live in an incredibly harsh orphanage i won't go into the details but she was literally starving at a point when she was 11 years old and she stole some apples for this she was sent to a different home to uh, essentially work as a slave at 14 she escaped ran away from this particular uh, institution and went to a priest for help. Uh, The priest uh, pretty much straight away raped her and sent her back. Mm. Mm. Uh, And she, of course, had had no sex education whatsoever. She didn't even understand the concept of being raped, let alone uh, that she was pregnant. Her baby was taken away and sold. Mm. Um, She wasn't released until... Uh, she was 25 years of age, so the first 25 years of her life were were basically that of being kept as a, uh, as a slave and treated horrendously. How can anything that is a loving God give out luck so inconsistently?
1: Well, first of all, you know, you bring up a huge problem that we can't probably ever really fully debate in this podcast, which is the problem of evil. Mm hmm. You know, and, and why do people do horrible things? And, you know, you you were talking about that terrible, terrible story. And, uh, you know, in any family, there are people that you just wish weren't in your family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, we've got the alcoholic uncle who does whatever. We've got the horrible, uh, you know, sister who deals drugs or whatever it is. Yes, yes. And the church is a huge family. Mm -hmm. And um, this whole problem, the thing you described is so horrendous. And the fact that that person was associated with the Catholic Church is so awful. But to, let's see, you made me think of Philomena, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a very good movie about how to, about all the approaches to that sort of a problem. There's no solution. You wish it didn't happen. When you say that
0: sort of a problem, which which problem? Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Sort of a problem like, um religious, abusing their positions, not being Christian, not being loving, being um just awful people. Mm-hmm. And we expect more from them, of course. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm starting to get kind of tangled up in the whole thing. But the thing is, is that I also was thinking, and, and the thing about Philomena that I liked is that there is just as much... No no one side is ever flawless. That also happens in completely secular circumstances. Philomena didn't directly address that. What Philomena addressed that I liked is that sometimes we have to live with the awful circumstances we have and forgive and move on. This doesn't answer your question. I realize it. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that occurred to me is I've been reading tons of Dickens lately. And if there's one thing Dickens points out is that there are social problems everywhere at every level of society whether it's associated with Christians or not. And of course, he lambasts the Christians the most because they know better and they should be better. But we are all flawed human beings. And so when you come down to that awful, awful story, and it just makes me cry thinking of that poor woman, it's also comes down to we're all always given the choice to be better than we are. Not her, but the priest. Mm-hmm. He had a choice. If you take away his choice when he We don't know. He had the choice to maybe do the right thing at some point. If you take that away, then we're puppets. Now, Mm -hmm. do I deserve to have a better life than that woman? No. Does she deserve to have that awful life? No. She deserves to have the nice life that I have. But because I had this one circumstance of luck that made me meet this person, I had circumstances of luck that made me meet my husband. I mean, this woman deserves that, too. If I have something awful happen to me that someone inflicts on me and I have had things in my life, I just don't talk about this. It's not appropriate right here. Um, I can't say somebody else doesn't deserve to have had the better experience that I didn't get.
0: I understand what you're saying. And one thing that I think is different between the Catholic Church and other Christian churches, Protestant uh, churches mm-hmm. in particular, is that many of the um, Protestant congregations have some sort of democratic input that they can decide on the rules in something approaching a democratic way. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church maybe is unique in that they believe, and to a degree, it's the strength of the church, they believe that that they got the truth on day one. That's it, <laughs> and there's 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 no changing it. And isn't it the case that that level of self confidence and inaccessibility to criticism, especially of those in charge, is particularly dangerous. And of course, there are very good people in the Catholic Church, as there are in every other church. There are some evil people Mm -hmm. uh, in, in every institution as well. But the difference is that if you say that Nothing can ever be changed because we were right that one time 2000 years ago. And if we ever change it, then that's like admitting that we've been wrong for thousands of years. And one case that that, that um springs to mind is the fact that uh, there was a 1962 document, but in 2001, uh, it was reinforced. The document essentially issued by the, 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 issued from Rome in 1962 ordered all bishops not to cooperate in any way and not to allow uh, any police investigation of priests who were raping children in 2001 a letter, a letter issued by john paul ii but drafted by uh, joseph ratzinger who later became benedict the 16th uh, was sent to every bishop uh, every catholic bishop in the world reminding them of this
1: that's just a straightforward crime isn't it that sounds terrible and i have to say i don't know about it so i can't really comment on it either way i mean what you're telling me does not sound right but i would want to see Um, you know, I don't know about either of those two things. Um, I do know Mm -hmm. that, for instance, Pope Francis, I thought, and I could have sworn Pope Benedict also, um, were urging cooperation. And again, I haven't seen your document and everything, but, um, it seems to me that recently I read about a diocese that, was told, no, you have to turn everything over to the police. And again, I'm not prepared for this. So um, yeah. I, I understand
0: that. And I don't want to grill you on. And clearly, you're not the responsible party in any case. <laughs> but I, I don't want to grill you on those particular things. But my, my point is that when you have that set up, that's an isn't that an inherently dangerous arrangement that you have uh, people in charge who are just completely immune from
1: criticism and reform. Completely. And that's why. That's why the whole church, um, the involvement of the laity, as it's called, which would be everybody who's not a priest or religious, mm-hmm. since Vatican II, <laughs> despite the couple of examples that you have, um, which, and I know there's more stuff like that, uh, the, the cardinal of, I think it was a cardinal of Boston, you know, is the subject of the film Spotlight that's out now,
2: yes. which I haven't
1: seen, but I really want to see because everybody in America is like, holy moly. What was going on? You were not doing the right thing. I don't Mm -hmm. care if you're protected by church law or not. That law has to change. And the thing is, is when you said, you know, we got it from day one, there's no changing it. But there has been development over 2000 years, just like there's been development since, if you want to go back to the Old Testament, Genesis, which is where all Christians or Catholics for sure see everything coming from. You know, there's that 10 commandment, uh, the, one of the 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill. Well, mm-hmm. if someone's breaking into your house and killing your family, you kill them in self-defense. Okay. You have to think for yourself and act on what's best, what's right at the time. Um, and that's gradually developed. Just like, you know, when you're a little kid, you can understand things on one level. Hopefully over 2000 years of the church, you know, used to be evolution was not considered a good thing. Not really what God would have done. Now you look at it and it's like, well, sure. God got that started. You know, that's as long as you acknowledge that God had a hand in, this is the best way that we developed or whatever. He just set it loose. And I kind of love that because to me that goes along with, I just love that idea of him going, let's just get life started and let it go. Because then what you see also is, is uh, back to what Sam Harris said is it's all just for the, the human beings and the catholic understanding now anyway if you especially if you look at the encyclical that pope francis put out which i can't remember the name of but i'm sure you can have a wonderful link for her, along with everything else yes i will is uh you know we're all linked god is not just here for us but how much does a tree understand god does a tree understand god by being the best tree it is because that's what it does naturally It it all kind of, we go together. We have to take care of each other. And as the teachings of the church evolve, that wouldn't have been one of the teachings way back. But we come to hopefully a better understanding as we continue to reflect on all these things. And the point would be that can you always trace all this stuff back through all the lines of thinking, the church fathers and whoever, to Jesus as the originator of the church? And because it comes down to love your, love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And I'm paraphrasing. So, and love your neighbor as yourself that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so in many of the cases you're bringing up, that's so totally wrong. Is it luck that I got what I did? I think I was calling out and saying, are you there? And I was open enough that when all that coincidence happened, if we want to call it coincidence, I recognized it. Mm -hmm. but you you, you know you
0: yeah you spoke there a little bit about kind of there has been development and that that, that's true what would you say the next development should be
1: oh wow i don't know
0: would you like to be a priest
1: oh no Mm -mm.
0: what is your thought of of catholics who uh for example are are promoting uh women priests
1: well you know you can promote anything um there used to be Married priests in the Latin rite, there are mm-hmm. of course married priests in rites that are not the Latin rite, meaning the Roman rite, which still are part of the Catholic church. So that's think different things can happen in different places. Um, I think if they can, f- you know, argue against it well enough that they can change everybody's mind and everybody's prayerful. And, you know, I'm sorry to come back to what most people would call hocus pocus, but. If the Holy Spirit is leading that way, that is the way it will go. I myself don't, I feel like there's a role, a complementary role that women play in the church that doesn't get recognized a lot. You know, with um, a lot of the history of the church has promoted education for women. Uh, women's nuns, sisters started a lot of the first hospitals. These are things that, well, the men were off doing sometimes in the terrible crusades. There were different qualities to all the crusades and some of the worst ones there were you know women helping take care of the victims again don't quote me i'm just going on general not what i've read well, okay. of The church you know please um but but there's this complementary nature to what we do and do we need women priests uh, i don't know i don't feel like it i i look at the other The denominations that have women priests, and I suppose as a method of fulfillment for those women who want to be priests, I guess that's fine. I don't feel that. I don't. I I have plenty to do in my own circle.
0: Okay. one one last question. The Catholic Church has always had the trappings. And you mentioned, for example, church law previously. The Catholic Church Uh has always had the trappings of making itself state like. And in fact, it's the only religion um, with its own country in the Vatican is, is <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 a couple of square miles of what is actually technically an independent country. I, I, mm-hmm. I guess I, yeah. I, I guess a dictatorship.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, I bet the Pope would laugh if you said that to him. I, 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 I bet he would, <laughs> and then have me sent to the Gulag. Um, oh yeah, that he's totally got the power to do that. One finger, and you're gone, man.
0: <laughs> but I'll, I'll wait for the afterlife for that. <laughs> but one point one point on that though is that. Um, The Catholic Church, and it's not alone in it, but it seems to be often quite to the fore, both in the United States and uh, and particularly in Catholic-majority countries like Poland and Ireland and the Philippines, in insisting that its rules be made the law for everybody in the country, regardless of whether they're Catholic or not. So, for Mm. example, trying to ban everybody, not just Catholics, from access to contraception in Ireland and several other countries. They very vigorously fought against uh, the introduction Mm -hmm. of divorce. Do you feel the need to have the police enforcing your Catholic faith?
1: No, because I feel that, you know, the reason they do this is, I'm guessing, what makes sense to me anyway, is that if you feel like this is really the best way to live. You want everybody to have the benefits of it. Now, I get everybody might not see this as a benefit, um, but I'm just kind of th- thinking it through. Um, and in that sense, <laughs> I could see it coming from the Catholic side like, oh, my gosh, this person's an alcoholic. We better not let them have the whiskey bottle, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. they can't see it's bad for them, but we can see the bigger picture and see that this is, in general, not a good thing. However, I also feel that the laws of the land should reflect the character of the people that is the point of government. And in fact, the Catholic Church in the catechism again I uh, wasn't thinking about this so I didn't really look into it but specifically but you know they don't go in and tell you you should be capitalist, you should be socialist, you should be whatever. They look at things and say in in general and say mm-hmm. These are the best things that make you the best and happiest as people. You know, uh, maybe not may, contraception, of course, is always a touchy thing. But, you know, whatever it is, because they also stand up for immigration. Mm-hmm. You know, they stand up on both sides of things a lot of times because their focus is life in the middle. Life is precious. And so they're looking at it from a point of view that a lot of people aren't, aren't focusing on. But the government is for the people living in the country. And if Catholics want to change the way people are living, if they don't think that's the right way to live, what you have to change is the culture of the country. And how do you change the culture? That's something that's internal to the people. How do you change the people? The people is are individuals. We are not just a collective people. It's you and it's me and it's my husband and it's my best friend. And as we talk and work Our way through issues or just live our lives. That is where you change a country. That is where you change a culture. So for example, abortion, if abortion is that desirable, what you have to do is get in there with the people who are, you know, that, that's being put forward. Abortion's being put forward to help the people who are going to be the mothers. Well, go in there and help those people. You know, that's where you get various ministries or whatever. Give them support afterward. Help them if they don't want that child, help them have it adopted. Help them live while they're going to have the baby if, if that's a problem. I mean, you know, you get in there and you live people's lives with them. This is how you change a culture, and that gets reflected in the laws.
0: Julie Davis, the presenter of A Good Story is Hard to Find uh, podcast, and also the author of happycatholic.blogspot.com. Thank you very much for talking to me.
1: Thank you. What's your opinion? Can you explain it on the next show?
0: Email podcast at challengingopinions.com. That's all for the Challenging Opinions podcast published on April 12th, 2017. I have links in the show notes to Julie's podcast and blog and loads of other references for things that we were talking about. Do you know someone else who I should interview? What should I be covering? I'd really be interested to hear your feedback. And if you like the podcast, there's one thing that you can do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes, give the podcast a rating, and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please follow the show on Facebook, and on Twitter you can follow at ChallengingO. And most important, subscribe to the show. It's free. You can use iTunes if you use Apple or Google Play Music if you're on Android. There's links for both of those and an RSS feed as well. You can find it all and get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com Coming on Friday, that's April 14th, I'll have Michael Tobus. He has a PhD in Atmospheric and Oceanic Studies. He's the perfect person to talk to about climate change. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.